Hey, everybody. Welcome to Red Pill Your Healthcast. I'm Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz here with Lauren Johnson, nurse practitioner. And this is our third part of Elephants in the Room. Uh, a lot of people wanted to hear about this stuff. So we thought we would end off our uh, vaccination talk with these three this week and move on to other topics uh, next week. So um, if you've been listening, you know uh, what we've been talking about. And we want to end off with three more of these vaccines, polio, HPV, and MMR. Um, let's start off with HPV. Now, last episode, I said, I don't know if there's worse than a flu shot, but now I'm not so convinced. Uh, this vaccine, uh, on the on the insert, literally, a side effect is, a side effect is death and or paralysis. And it's common. And it's common. It's it's not rare. This is not like a, you know, one in a hundred million. And guys, let's just start here with, I went like 15 years ago, I got this vaccine or however many years ago it was in college when it first came out. I had no issues that I know of. I was not very self-aware then. So let's just start off with, yes, there are people who aren't going to have any issues who are going to say, well, I'm fine. But that does not take into account the like the genetics, the, the toxicities that are present, and the fact that the majority of reactions that we see, uh, that Charlie has seen in office, or the, and that are on, that are documented, that are in vaccine courts, are actually from the HPV vaccine. Yep. And just like uh, there's lawyers for uh, flu shot injuries, there's also lawyers for HPV injuries, and there is a lot of them being reported. But that system is backed up two years ago. Uh, we all know how that goes. What I want to start by saying is HPV, the Gardasil vaccine, is what you guys will know it as, is created by Merck. Now, here's an interesting fact about that. So Merck had a drug known as Vioxx, which was an anti-inflammatory, and they made a boatload of money on it. It was being dispersed like Skittles. And what happened was the more studies they did, the more they saw that this drug was killing people. And after it killed upwards of 50,000 people, they pulled it from the market. Yep. But what happens with that is they now lose billions of dollars and the stakeholders and shareholders aren't happy with that. So what Merck turned around and did was they, they looked at what and they said, well, no one really talks about HPV, but let's make people scared. And then let's go and spend the largest budget we can in our history on advertising for Gardasil and how your daughters need the Gardasil vaccine to prevent cancer for your daughters. daughters and just they targeted some of the ads I listened to this morning and I was shocked. I And I'm sure my mom heard this when I was in my early 20s and I was like, sure, why wouldn't I get this? Um, like, I mean, it just, it pulls at your heartstrings and it's, it's wrong for them to, for them to say, why didn't you prevent this? Why didn't you know that you could have prevented my cancer? Um, and that's what they do for other drugs too. It's not just vaccines. They do that for other drugs too. They really try to pull at your heartstrings. Yep. It's the same thing as what we were talking last week about seeing those late night commercials with the dogs that look like they're abandoned and they want you to buy dogs from other countries. It seems like they're in third world countries. They're doing the same thing with us and our children. And that's why we're one of the only one of two countries that allows this propaganda on our TV. Mm -hmm. So they go and spend their largest budget ever on a, a drug or vaccine and they come out with Gardasil. So let's talk a little bit about Gardasil. And what and the issues of the studies that they used. So the first thing 
and we've talked about this before, is how most vaccines, and this is the prime example, don't have placebos. The yeah. people who are in the placebo group are still injected with aluminum containing substances. Mm -hmm. That's a big issue because the aluminum in Gardasil is probably one of the biggest issues that's given people their issues. And, and there is... That's an argument you could give for any vaccine, pretty much. None of those, none of these um, studies will compare against a placebo, nothing in it, or saline. And that is something that you can look up. You can, you can ask your doctor about. They probably won't have any clue what you're talking about. But if they understand mm -hmm. that, like for most vaccines, they really do not test against a, a saline injection. They test against an injection with tons of preservatives or, or ad adjuvants that cause a lot of the issues. Yep. And um, so what they did was they they would use these faulty research studies and they ended up coming out with another Gardasil called Gardasil 9. And Gardasil 9 took the aluminum content from 225 micrograms to 500 micrograms. And what's the issue? Well, that's a big issue. And you already know that already. However, what they did was when they studied Gardasil 9, they made the original Gardasil the placebo injection. So that, they, that you cannot see a difference or a big difference in the toxicity. They're all toxic. And what happened was in the first seven months, seven months after they did these research, 50% of the participants had severe medical uh, injuries, essentially, and different things from autoimmune to different heart issues. You name it, they had it. We researched this separately and I, th I found the same statistics. Um, I mean, it, it is shocking to me, the amount of women, it was mostly women in the beginning. Now they market it to children. Uh, they say at nine years old is when you should get your children vaccinated for HPV. Um, when they also at the same time are not, they, it's the, a separate group. Um, the American, the OBGYNs are now recommending spacing out pap smears because they know that the most of the time the body clears HPV on its own and they don't even recommend pap smears now they used to recommend them early on like when you when you initially have sex that now they recommend them I think it's like 21 before you even do the first one um mm -hmm. and it's because they know the body most of the time will clear it on its own yep and and there are over 200 HPV strands most of them are part of our natural flora of our body and so Let's keep talking about this. So half of the clinical trial subjects had reported serious mental conditions within the first seven months. Well, that caused Japan to take it off their schedule, but Japan's reintroduced it because they're probably like, man, these countries are making a boatload of money. We need some money too. So here's another a little sleight of hand. So what Gardas, what Merck did was of these, these reported 50% of um, serious medical adverse reactions, Merck called them new medical conditions, not injuries as adverse events. That is a sleight of hand, people. That is, uh, as we'll get into polio, as soon as the polio vaccine uh, was introduced, the sleight of hand went from, oh, there's no polio, but there's a lot of Guillain-Barre syndrome. Looks really similar to us. Okay, mm -hmm. um, back, back to uh, HPV. So annual deaths from cervical cancer are two for every 100,000 uh, people with HPV, okay? The death rate in the Gardasil clinical trials was 85 people out of every 100,000, which is 37 times that of cervical cancer. Now, to be fair, 20 of the 85 were actually due to uh, what they labeled accidental death, aka suicide-related, when they were injected with these aluminum 
polysorbate 80 and borax and things like that. So where it's really closer to 65 out of 100,000, which would include things like sepsis, cardiac events, and autoimmune issues. Now, before we go any further, here's a huge thing is the amount of autoimmune that this vaccine has induced into our population. For every 100,000 people who get it, 2,300 of them develop autoimmune issues. That is insane. How, how much autoimmune do you think is going on in this country, in this world right now, Lauren? Oh, it's it's everywhere. And it, I mean, it is crazy how much it has increased from when I was in school to now. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's mind boggling to think. And it's not just one thing. It's not just the HPV vaccine. It is also a number of factors. It's a genetic predisposition along with some other toxin exposures. And it's always just this perfect storm of things that come up. And, but when the HPV vaccine came out, it really, like it showed explicitly that there, there was a, an increase in autoimmune after the HPV series. Yep. And according to Gardasil's packet insert, people, we got to read the actual inserts. It says women are a hundred times more likely to suffer a severe event from the vaccine uh, or to suffer a severe event following the vaccine than they are to actually get cervical cancer. So a hundred times more, and they are a thousand times more likely to get autoimmune compared to cervical death, cervical cancer death. I, yeah. I mean, I've said, I'm not really a gambling man. I would take the odds on that. I would take the odds on not, on not doing it. Yeah. Um, the, it is, you know, and I do think that there's some link to POTS and Mm -hmm. to complex, uh, complex regional pain syndrome. Uh, I think there are links to that as well. And I, I know that is as pretty common, especially in women, um, especially women of my age, that might've been the first round of women that got the, the, that, that series of vaccines. Um, and like Charlie was saying, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that you can do. Do you want me to go on and talk about that? Yeah. I mean, the last thing I would touch on before we give those solutions, um, are, it's never really been studied for its effects on fertility. And in the trials, uh, the clinical trials showed that there was a, a spontaneous miscarriage uh, rate of 25 to 27.5%, which in that same group was about 10%. So it's significantly more uh, when you do get... Um, the uh but however two of the ingredients are already known to cause infertility in animals and that's polysorbate 80 which is in other vaccines um and also sodium borate which is borax uh and so that's what as they would say they use the benign saline solution they use the solution with aluminum polysorbate 80 and borax that doesn't sound too benign to me and placebo yeah yeah it's, um, you know, I think that alone could just cancel out like a lot of people just like with initial concerns. If you just ask that question alone, um, like has it been studied against the placebo? Um, that can really, you know, and then to think that HPV really doesn't, everyone's going to be exposed. Every single person will be exposed to HPV most likely. And your body should be able to clear it. If it doesn't clear it, we need, that's some of the things that we can talk about in like our next episodes, but like yeah. there are root causes to why the body can't clear viruses such as HPV, such as um, hurt the herpes virus, um, such as EBV, the virus that causes mono, things like that. Um, okay. So some things um, that you can do if you were to uh, have a concern for HPV or be diagnosed with HPV, um, 
cortex, lime, lemon, and tea tree oil applied topically, topically on the skin. When I talk about this, I talk about diluting it. Um, make sure you are diluting it in a carrier oil with like coconut oil, um, uh, jojoba oil, anything like that. There are vaginal suppositories um, that you can make with calendula and tea tree, marshmallow root, um, and thuja. Uh, vaginal steaming, um, or for uh, men too, this can be done as well. Uh, vaginal uh, steaming with basil, oregano, rose, thyme to increase circulation to the area. Why do we want to increase circulation? When we increase circulation, we increase the body's ability to fight it off. That's why it takes so long to heal a fifth metatarsal fracture in your foot because it, it just has lower blood. It has lower blood flow. And so if we can increase circulation, that helps the body's ability to heal it. Um, and then there's several homeopathics. Homeopathics are not like, hey, there's just one homeopathic for this one condition. So there are several books. One of them is called The Unvaccinated Child, A Treatment Guide for Parents and Caregivers. It's by Judith Thompson um, and Eli Camp. Both are naturopathics. And there is some information on each of these uh, things and other vaccines in this book that I would recommend you look at. That's awesome. That's a lot of good information. Yeah. And and of course, this is not medical advice, you know, check with your provider, find a natural provider. Um, this is meant to be educational, but these are the things that I would think about doing. Yes. And, and we can only talk about what we would do with our children. Yeah. And so, uh, as you said, it's meant to be educational. Now, in general, viruses become toxic in the presence of other toxins. Mm. A lot of people will say that viruses are like soaps they are created, they're like exosomes, they're created to basically dissolve the tissue that are too toxic for the bacteria and yeast of your body to eat. And so we're looking at things like radiation, heavy metals, glyphosate, pesticides, foods that we eat that are toxic. Um, parasites can also harbor viruses too. So that's why when you hear us talk about parasites, you know, I talk about it all the time. Um, I'm, I'm really beating a dead horse with it because it is that important. If there is a lot of toxic parasites, they will create more viral issues and they'll create more toxic terrain. And then you are able to invite more toxic viruses. So um, and that's why we're seeing more and more issues because of the EMFs that um, 5G coming out and things like that. Yes. We're not talking about like conspiracy theorists. Like, these are real things. If you do the research and you look at 5G and you look at some of the issues they've had with it. Um, and so if we can do things, take steps to mitigate, which we can all talk about, that can be a future episodes that we will discuss. Yep. Um, but it is important to know that it's never just the, it's not just the vaccine. It's, it's, it's all, it's just all of it combined. It's the perfect storm. Yeah. The, the vaccine is just the most uh, controllable. Yeah. You have, yeah. An, you have a, uh, a um, choice to inject it into you or your kids or not yeah. to. And so it is all about controlling the controllables. Uh, the one book that I will recommend if you want to read on EMF is called the invisible rainbow. And it goes over in history. Every time a new electrical, um, invention was introduced every single time there was a new outbreak of a new flu or a new strand of pathogen all, dating all the way back to, you know, the 1700, 1800s, whenever it was, um, I'm, I'm blanking out on, on when it was introduced, but it, the book guides you all the way through all the way to Wi-Fi and cell phones and stuff. And, and, um, you know, 5g and, in in the future of that. So, 
Um, all right. So and, we and I will say one more thing about since we're talking yeah. about other toxins, aluminum is not just in vaccines. It's also there's also other ways to, to be exposed to it. It's also in the air. Um, mm-hmm. and that is a whole nother episode that we could that we could go into. Um, and there are things you can't steps you can take to prevent and to uh, help your body get rid of it. And so those are things that we will discuss. We're not ta- we're not about causing we're not about talking or identifying problems without providing solutions. But yeah. these are like, we're talking specifically about these vaccines and just the pros and cons of it. And then the future episodes will definitely give more solutions as far as um, some of the ways to mitigate aluminum or EMFs and um, different and other toxins. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of future episodes on the different toxins of our daily environment and stuff like that. So, all right. Do you want to talk on polio next? Then we'll end off with MMR. Yeah. Okay. So polio, um, when you think of polio, um, you know, you think of... You you remember seeing the 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 pictures of the kids and the iron lung and like the it it just it creates so much fear, um. Yes. But when you look at the the history of it, um, you know most of the people with polio and you can find the sources for this. Most of the people with polio actually are asymptomatic. Um, yep. some that are that have symptoms they start with a common cold flu, sore throat, headache with some fatigue, um, less than 1%. What I found was less than 1%. You found something that said 2% of people will develop paralysis or of it, where it affects them, the uh, motor neurons. And, um, and then from that two to 5% from that one to 2% will, will die from polio. And in adults, it is higher. It's up to 30% um, will die. And and so we're talking because everyone really just associates it with children, right? That's like yeah. the big thing. So we're talking two to 5% of 2%. Yes. Yeah. That is a very, I mean, again, not a gambling man. I'll take my chances. One of the, uh, one of the experts I was listening to on this said that at one point it was, I think it was like 1200 people had been either hospitalized for it and over the course of years. And mm-hmm. that's when we were talking about introducing a vaccine. It was for 1,200 people. Now, yeah. I need to, I, you know, I want to go back and fact check some of those, again, just to cite multiple sources. But even just thinking yeah. about it being 2 to 5% of 1% of people that got polio um, resulted in death. Um, and so it really wasn't um, as big. And, of course, it is horrible, and uh, you know, but it also coincided with the, with the time period where we were using pesticides um, mm-hmm. that were very neurotoxic. Um, yep. and, 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 and there wasn't necessarily a great way to test for it. So, like, at one time we thought the FDR had um, polio, but really he – that was misdiagnosed. He had Guillain-Barre, um, yep. and so, which is often a vaccine side effect. Um, yep. And so it, it is not um, – it is not necessarily – the fact that like it was this horrible thing affecting so many people and it could have been also a, a coincidence that it was happening alongside of some really bad neurotoxic pesticide use um that did stop being used when they realized and you know that was around the time that things started going down and so yep. you know, will we ever know what it was no probably not um but it is good to note yeah um, they they just piggybacking off that before we go on is most of the polio um, outbreaks happened in late summer and early fall. Mm-hmm. And that's when they would say something known as Paris green, um, in orchards on lawns on things like that. Cause they didn't know. And Paris green is a severe neurotoxin that gives people eerily similar symptoms as polio. And so if you ever talk to someone who was alive around then, or who knew plumbers around then, 
the plumber started um, increasing the sanitation of plumbing around that area, which helped get rid of a lot of the pesticides in the water sources and stuff like that. So a lot of people, a lot of plumbers will say that they're the ones who truly helped bring down polio because even before the vaccine was introduced, it was going down each year, yeah. almost like 50% or more down. Some, some people say up to 90% down by the time that the vaccine was introduced. Um, but there was a huge social pressure to introduce a vaccine right. similar to what you're seeing in the last two years now. Exactly. Um, that was the original push. And now, that's when they rushed to get, to bring out the initial vaccine. Yes. Which, tell us about that because that is actually, it, it, it was really bad, um, right? It yeah, actually caused polio in some of the children that got it and they had to take it yep. off the market. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so some people, uh, they'll refer to it as the Cutter incident because Cutter was the um, pharmaceutical company back then. And what happened was um, Jonas Salk came out with a polio vaccine and uh as they were being studied in um, trials, they were using it on monkeys. Well, 100,000 monkeys were killed in those trials because they were trying to get the vaccine right and it was just killing them. So there comes a, a lady named Bernice Eddy who worked at the, I believe the NIH was where she was. And she was in charge of um, looking over the safety of the polio vaccines in these studies. And she found that because the vaccine was live, um, she would give it to monkeys and they would get develop polio and then they would become paralyzed and many of them would die. And so she came out like the day or so before they were rolling it out and said, hey, I think we need to reevaluate this. Um, I'm finding that there's these other viruses uh, because they took the polio virus off of a, a green monkey kidney, which is an African monkey, I believe. Um, Snapple fact of the day. And so... Uh, so they would take these um, these samples and they would basically put into these vaccines all the other types of viruses that were whatever on the kidney of the monkeys they were taking. So the virus became known as SV. It was the 40th one discovered of that viral type. And Bernice Eddy said, if we inject this into our population, when people survive, because it's not guaranteed because these monkeys are dying left and right, there will be an absolute cancer uh, epidemic cancer issue for generations to come yeah i think she was pretty spot on there's a lot of cancer these days and yeah. everyone has pretty much had the polio vaccine um so so here's what they did with her they said well you're off the polio um, vaccine safety clinical trials you're back to studying flu viruses they ended up just taking away like just firing her completely and uh this guy alton ajner was a big stakeholder in these um in the initial vaccine, um, uh, in initial vaccines from Salk. And so what he did was he brought it to Tulane Medical School in front of a group of physicians and said, hey, I, um, I wouldn't uh, support something I wouldn't give to my own family. Well, he gave it to his grandson and granddaughter. And in the next week, his grandson was dead and his daughter was paralyzed. And so they still came out with it, even though they're seeing this stuff happen. So uh, the history of it's very fascinating. It also, if you really want to dive deep into the rabbit hole, you can even go back into some of the JFK stuff and um, Fidel Castro. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on beyond. Wow. This, um, with radiation. Yeah, it's a deep rabbit hole. That's not what we're going to talk on this podcast. We're going to stick strictly to just the vaccine. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. So on 527-1955, it was like two, no, it was 
it was like two to three weeks after they rolled it out, they suspended the vaccine program. They they eventually started it back up again. Um, but and they they probably still had a bunch of people that were back getting vaccinated because they can they could change the narrative then. They didn't have the 24 hour news cycle then. And so yeah. they really were able to kind of sweep things under the rug. Now, there is a different vaccine in other parts of the world that is used today. So the one that is used in other parts of the world is a live vaccine. It's an oral live vaccine. The one that is used in the US is called the inactivated polio vaccine. And it is, um, it's called the IPV and it is an injection. Um, now, here's, let's talk about the Let's talk about the ingredients. Do you have something to say on that while I find the ingredients? I'm still trying to find this. I'm still, uh, my mind is still on when I just brought up the JFK thing. The reason why that is, is because a person who was actually um, in charge of delivering these polio vaccines and seeing what was happening was Lee Harvey Oswald, which is, yeah, which is who everyone believes killed JFK. Uh, that's a whole nother thing. But uh, I believe the book is Dr. Mary's Monkeys. And it talks about um, the whole, that whole um, aspect of it. So we all know that Lee Harvey Oswald was supposed to, you know, be the one to kill JFK. And then he was murdered. Obviously, you saw like, uh, they had, it was on video or whatever. So I don't know, something to look into. Uh, but anyways, what what were, what about the ingredients of polio? There is polysorbate 80. Um mm. And of course I'm not finding it, but I did see, I did note here, the IPV wasn't on the schedule for 30 years. Did you know that? Uh, and it was reintroduced and I thought it was the late nineties or early two thousands. Yes, it was late nineties. Um, yeah. So what, did they use something else in between there? I thought they used the uh, part of the live. Oh, that's, that's right. Okay. And here's something to note. A lot of times kids are getting Kenrix, which is deep uh, DTAP and um, the IPV. Um, that is something that where you're going to have, um, if you, if you are vaccinating that you can choose like to get a separate one individual one. Um, some of the ingredients of the IPV are Sodium, let's see, sodium chloride, polysorbate 80, neomycin sulfate, and polymyxin B. We talked about that. Those are antibiotics yep. um, last week. And I, I anecdotally said, you know, my first year as an NP, I was working in the immediate care center. And we, you know, how you used to hear to put neosporin on all of your like abrasions or wounds. And we, I was told, Hey, we don't do that as much anymore because um, a lot of more people are having allergic reactions to um, Neosporin now. And it's really interesting that a lot more people are now vaccinated for those same thing or with those same ingredients, uh, vaccines that have those same ingredients. And it also has um, the IPV also has 0.6 milligrams of aluminum as well. Oh, and I'm sorry. Also has residual uh, formaldehyde and that is dose uh, formaldehyde is a class one carcinogen um like we mentioned last time and so that is something to um really consider um when you're thinking about you know toxins and and the way that this um can affect the body in the long run um let's see yep that's all i had to say about ingredients uh-huh. okay um so if so this, this whole thing with new york um so 
polio is taking or is coming back um apparently um but here's the thing if you look at the history of it over the last like 20 years even you will find that there was a polio um, outbreak in 2018 and there was one in other years as well um they over the years it's interesting that the acute flaccid myelitis um looks a lot like polio um and and so we have to wonder, um, and they don't know the cause of that. That's right. Isn't that, isn't that what I believe is that they don't know the cause of AFM. Yep. It's uh, another sleight of hand. It's another yeah. change of a new medical condition as uh, Merck said about the Gardasil vaccine. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this year, the issue is that it is the polio has been found in the wastewater in New York. And I will say, you know, polio, the actual, you know, polio virus, it, it is contagious by respiratory droplets for two weeks after infection and up to six weeks in the stool after right. infection. And so like, I mean, that's going to be in the wastewater. Um, mm -hmm. And so you are, I mean, that is, that is an issue. Um, but if it is because, I mean, one consideration is, is it's because people from another country have received the live vaccine and then came to our country not that they shouldn't i'm not saying that i'm just saying that if they came to our country soon after and then they and then they are in the it's in the wastewater well that could be why it's in the wastewater yeah um, they say that there's more there's more vaccine derived polio around today than there are wild uh types of polio they knew that in 1972 so before a Senate yep. committee polio, polio vaccine inventor jonah salt testified that real, uh, really all polio outbreaks since 1961 resulted from or were caused by the oral polio vaccine. And so yeah. that is the case today too. They have actually said it is a vaccine-derived polio outbreak. Um, and so it's not a wild type of, vi of, vac of virus. I think there are a couple countries that might have wild types still, but it is yeah. not anywhere that we, you know, it's, it's, they're very much obscure or smaller countries. Well, and, and, you know, one of the things that a couple of years ago I was reading into is when also in India, you know, Bill Gates went over to India to try to bring them health. And his idea of health was polio vaccines. And India pretty much kicked him off the medical board. And uh, after his vaccines gave like all the half the kids that were injected polio. And yeah. so, um, it, you know, a lot of times we don't see that because one, it's not in our country. And, you know, the media really can change what you see that's why like they call it television is tell a vision they can just warp what they tell you and what you want to believe or what you you know they want you to believe um so this stuff's going on in other countries that are vaccine derived polio strands uh and but then in here you know in in america we're just trying to sell more vaccines because it's a billion dollar industry so you gotta like take a step back and look at you know what's the incentive behind all these fear campaigns is is money and um you know, you money will always be uh, at the root of all of this. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what, what do you have to say to a child or to a parent of a child that is unvaccinated in New York? What are there, are there concerns there? So I, for me, I treat everything that we need comes from nature. So I, you know, I talk a lot about doing herbs, doing essential oils, eating properly, all this type of stuff will give your body the best fighting chance against any of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what I would tell people, because I, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't legally say something like that. I would just tell them what I would do with my daughter is I would not be scared. And I would treat um, her with using all the tools that I know and all the, the herbs that we use, the foods that we eat, the clean water, 
Um, I would control the controllables and I would roll the dice on uh, the percentage of, you know, what we yeah. talked about, less than yeah. two, less than 2% of 2% type stuff. Right. Okay. And then the other things to think about, okay, the best protective factor is to breastfeed um, and about oh, yeah. antibodies um, just galore. Um, and if I could say anything, like if I, if I was concerned about that and I lived in New York, then that might be something that would say, okay, we're going to breastfeed for as long as we possibly can. Um, if um, it is also to note that if polio is treated successfully in the early stages, they really did find success um, in decreasing complications. Um, yep. and so something, there's no conventional medical treatment. They really didn't do much. They did do the iron lung that they did. They did, um, they did put you in that big machine, um, and all that. Um, and, but there isn't as much that you can do conventionally. What I would do if it were my child is a way I would approach any other virus. Um, vitamin A is super important for the immune system. So I would be doing cod liver oil. Um, mm. I, again, I am going to come out with a blog on inst specific instructions on like, how much would I give my baby or how much would I give my child? Um, NAC, uh, vitamin C, D, zinc, uh, ginger tea, uh, the, the wet sock method, garlic, um, dry brushing, lymph massage, things like that, that are really helpful to move things around. There are a couple, um, essential oils that were known to be helpful. Pimento essential oil. I'm actually not familiar with that one. Um, and then Roman chamomile, um, to decrease muscle spasms. Um, and there is a homeoprophylaxis. So homeopathics, there is a form of homeopathics that can do homeoprophylaxis for stuff like this. And there is one called LATH, L-A-T-H, that can be a preventative for polio. So if you have a lot of concerns and you live there, then that might be something you want to look into, homeoprophylaxis. Um, but, you know, like we were saying, you really have to wonder, um, you know, if, if, it was as big of an issue as it was. It, it was an issue for some. Yes, of course, there were some horrible issues, the horrible things that came out of it. But as much as we saw it on the news, like it was it really um, the majority of the population that had polio that had those uh, severe complications. Um, yeah. So and, it, and, it was, and then think about the renaming of it too. Yeah. It is an uh, enterovirus, which means it's in yes. the gut. So good yeah. spore biotics would probably be the number yeah. one thing that I would put in. Um, yeah. I am much more of a spore fan than I am of a probiotic fan because spores get past the stomach acid and then bloom in the intestines. And the bacteria uh, that comes from spores actually goes and finds pathogens and engulfs them. And then um, it will secrete natural antibiotics that don't kill off your good flora. It's a very fascinating science. Um, and so I would say that spores on top of the oils that we named uh, on top of herbs like berberine. And as a baby, for me, what I would say I would do is probably just put a little bit of the powder on yeah. uh, on my nipple if I was breastfeeding, or you could do it in a bottle. Um, you don't want to do too much. Obviously, you can cause gas and bloating um, in a yeah. baby. So, like, you don't do too much. Um, and, 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 and children as well, you just uh, tiny bits. Um, I'd say like a sprinkle on the nipple once or twice a week is probably all you need, especially yeah. for young, young ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's about all you need. And a little bit goes a long way. And and, uh, and that's, you know, that's what I would do for sure. Yep. So, um, as far as the polio vaccine, can you tell us clinically what you might've seen, um, with any issues? I know you worked with a lot of kids in California, um, that had been recently been vaccinated. Did you have a lot of issues from that one? I, so in my testing, I didn't pick it up as much, uh, as others. And I think it's because they, a lot of times kids would get multiple vaccines on a day. 
Yep. And so, you know, all of the toxins from that uh, together, blowing out the nervous system, so to speak, would just lead me more into like what metal I was picking That's, up. Yes. Or, okay. You know what I mean? So because it, there it is aluminum in there. So it could be that it was from that one, but it could be another one. And yeah. so, yeah, it's really like we've said before, we think the, the things that I have more concerns about are the adjuvants and then mm-hmm. is it necessary? Um, okay. And so, yeah. Um, and, and the adjuvants are used to make, to write, to drive it into the cell. Is that right? Yes. That's what they use it for. Yeah. What they say, like, like thimerosal, which we talked about um, is in vaccines so that bacteria doesn't grow on the vaccine. Well, if it's not allowing bacteria to grow, what do you think it's doing to your good bacteria? Probably killing off your good bacteria too. So you got to look at it from yeah. both ways. Um, and so uh, a lot of times I'd pick up the adjuvants, like we just said, uh, and then we got to also know that before the age of seven, the blood brain barrier is not closed. So anything that goes in the blood goes into the brain. So even yeah. injecting polio virus into the blood before seven gets into the brain. Yes. Do the metals cause a lot of issues? Yes. But is it possible that these viruses can change the way that your nervous system's functioning? A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. And they say it's inactivated, but that was one of the issues with the initial vaccine is that they didn't actually inactivate it and it was activated and they gave the people polio. And Mm -hmm. so I know that now we have, you know, better standards and better ways that we do things, but is that better to have formaldehyde and aluminum in there? You know, like, I don't, there's just, you have to say like risk versus benefit and 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 all the tools you can use otherwise. And we're, we're both for helping the population. So if we could get people immunized against infections, I am all for that. I just think yeah. that we're going about it in a way that the pros are not outweighing the cons and uh, we could easily find a better solution to do so. Uh, I just don't know when that would ever happen. And I listen to Dr. Klinghart a lot and he's an yeah. autism expert and man, he says the same thing. He's like, I'm not, I'm not against vaccines in general, the idea of them. It's not, it's the idea of them that that's fine. It, but it's, the issue is the way they've gone about doing it, the rush for some yep. of them, and then the way they've gone about doing them and how they've make them, that's just not safe. Um, oh. and, and the way that we're, how many, like where I, when I was a child, I got what, like, I don't know, five, um, in the eighties versus now the children, you know, children get 60 or 70 before the age of 18. And so that's just something that to think about. And so that brings us to our last vaccine of the day, uh, talking about how many in one is the MMR. Yeah. Which, which has done a lot. That's probably got the most, um, I'd say, traction of any of the vaccines in the last five years, besides maybe the COVID vaccine, obviously, because that's like very current. But why did I, I the MMR get so much traction? Because it was, uh, well, one, Andrew Wakefield brought up that he was finding that kids were developing autistic behavior and au- autism after getting it. Um, and then he got ridiculed for that. So then everyone thinks he's a quack. So if you've never seen the movie Vaxxed by him and Del Bigtree, I highly recommend it. Uh, it is a fascinating documentary. Yeah. And there was uh, another there was another scientist that came out after him, I think, that said that linked the two. And he got, I mean, like every time somebody comes out kind of just questioning anything, they are immediately just banned and just yeah. said no. And, and the the scientist um from the CDC, there was four people that were on the initial project of the MMR. His name was uh, I think it's Thompson. I don't remember his first name, but he was a whistleblower. So everyone's gonna discredit him because you know he wanted to go against the grain. And what he said was that on their initial research that they found that there was an 800% increase in autism in black babies who got the MMR. And so, and so what happened was the CDC literally 
told them to burn the papers in that meeting room to burn the papers. I, so I've heard that elsewhere too. You know, you're, you're not you're not going to see that in any research that's study or anything. Uh, so just knowing that that's possible, that's the attitude of the people who are making these these vaccines um, is pretty disturbing, honestly. Um, yeah, and and I I've seen. Other things. <laughs> I've seen more reactions to this vaccine clinically than any other. So when you hear about the kids who, you know, the parents come in, they say, my child changed overnight. This is the vaccine that I usually find that does it to them. It's three in one. The vaccine schedule has never been tested with all vaccines together, let alone three shot, three doses in one, right? We have the Tdap, we have the MMR. Um, and the whole thing with Vax is they, they're coming at it from the angle of that we should space out measles, mumps, and rubella, just not give it all at once. Um, I will take it a step further and say, are we really still scared of measles, mumps, and rubella? Yeah. Are yeah. we really scared of them? It's like chicken pot. Are yeah. we really like everyone, a lot of people who are, you know, above whatever, 40, 50 years old remembers getting measles for a week and they were done, you know, and, and, and uh, I wrote down some statistics. Uh, the chance of dying from the measles today is 0.00013%. And that is, they say about 400 uh, per year is what they say. Um, uh, but that's out of 330 million people. There was 13 cases in 2020. There was 49 cases in 2021. And there was 13 cases in 2022. And they're saying that about this, and I don't even believe this, they're saying one in a thousand uh, kids with measles die. I don't believe that. No. And what I found, um, separately from what you were finding was that it, yeah, it is just a cold. Um, yeah. it's, it's a bad, yeah, they might have a high fever, cough, runny nose. Um, you'll see red watery eyes, the right or red, the complex spots in the mouth. Um, yep. the rash usually starts three to five days after initial symptoms. You'll have a, a rash around the hairline, but like, it's just a, a it's a, a it's a bad cold um for the most part um there are always going to be outliers to that and there are always going to be kids who have a lot of medical problems and who just their immune system is not able to handle it who it might be a little you know more bothersome for them but is a live virus vaccine is that helpful yep. um right. just i just wanted to note here i was curious when you were saying that um what you get at 12 months when you get this um, MMR, you also get a third or fourth dose of HIB. This is per CDC schedule. Um, third or fourth dose of HIB. You get uh, the pneumococcal, the PCB 13. You get a fourth dose of that. You get a um, first dose of MMR, first dose of varicella, and uh, two dose series of HEP A. All at 12 Think months. about that all, all at once. So you're bombarding these little delicate nervous and immune systems with these viruses and toxins and adjuncts in these vaccines. It's all about how long before your cup is overfilled with toxins. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, some kids might only have a little bit of rash. The side effects of the MMR are literally the same symptoms you get if you get the virus, <laughs> if you look at the inserts. And then there's more, there's even worse. There's a lot worse on the insert from side effects. But um, how long before is the nervous system tapped out? And, and that's when I find a lot of kids change is because there's so many at once. And, and the MMR is a perfect example of that. So uh, I've seen anywhere from uh, autism. I've seen all the way to chronic allergies, night tears, 
headache. I mean, you name it, gut inflammation, all of it. And it's, uh, it's tragic. Yeah. Yeah. And on the insert, it says it can cause syncope, which is fainting, fainting. Um, it can cause atypical measles. It can cause headache, dizziness, malaise, um, which is discomfort, um, vasculitis, pancreatitis, parotitis, encephalitis, encephalopathy, anaphylaxis, leukocytosis, uh, lymphadenopathy, which is uh, your lymph nodes are enlarged. I mean, uh, nerve deafness, uh, ear infections, otitis media is on there. Um, polyneuritis, polyneuropathy. I mean, this is this is an intense list uh, that is on the insert um, from the FDA and Merck. Um, and so that is just something to think about is like, I mean, that wasn't even all of them. That was not even all of them. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, one thing that just popped in my head that I want to, uh, I know I'm going back to HPV, but you were talking about, um, uh, studies of these vaccines. And one thing that we did not say was uh, about HPV uh, and the Gardasil was what Merck did was they had an exclusion process too. And what that means is they they made certain people uh, who couldn't participate. And these people consisted of anyone with allergies, anyone with over four lifetime sexual partners, anyone with a history of an immune disease, any chronic illness, anyone, this is the best one. You can't participate if you've ever had a reaction to a vaccine ingredient, including aluminum yeast uh, or a history of drug or alcohol abuse. (laughs) So you're just eliminating a bunch of the population. And, yeah. and uh, I wanted to say that because it came into my mind and I forgot to include that in HPV. So yeah, anyways, so study looked much better than it would have if they had used a general population. Yeah. Um, and, and they approved it for all the populations that they excluded from the, from uh, the study. That's, that's, see, that's just, that's just not right. Like Crazy. it's just not right. Um, yeah. The CDC states that 25 to 50% of the people infected with rubella will not uh, experience symptoms. They also state that rash lasts about three days, which is why it is also known as three days as three day measles. If yep. you want to look at the, just the inserts and you are having a hard time, like with all the papers of it, go to just the inserts.com that the, the lady, I think it's a lady behind it. She is fantastic and has laid this all out. It is sourced and it is well-written. Um, and so I do yep. recommend her website. Um, she used to have an Instagram, but got taken off, even though she was slowly, slowly just the inserts. Like she did not provide commentary. Um, I think she is back now though. If you She's are back on, She's back on, on her- Instagram, look up her, her, that name, uh, just the inserts. Okay. So for how, so for measles, mumps, and rubella. So measles, we went through, um, the same thing that I talked about in the last episode, vitamin A, so cod liver oil, nettles, um, is really helpful to soothe the itchiness, lemon balm, burdock root. Um, there oh, are definitely, geez. huh? Vitamin C. Vitamin C, definitely good immune support. Just general immune support, except for general virus. Um, yep. Mumps is rarely serious. Um, usually seen in adults. If it's going to happen, it's going to be more serious in adults. Um, it can cause deafness in less than 1%. Um, in pregnant women, it definitely can cause, you know, I believe, um, more issues. But again, if we can clear the virus quickly, we can treat it in early stages, then it's less likely to cause those issues. Um, it does cause a viral infection of the parotid gland. So you're going to have some swelling, um, there underneath of the ear. Um, and, um, the incubation period is two weeks to 28 days. That's just to note Mm -hmm. that it, it, if you were exposed, it might be a long time before you actually come up with symptoms and that it does, um, usually last, um, seven to 14 days. 
the symptoms of it. Um, things you can do for mumps, like moline tea, lymph drainage, really focusing on lymph massage and, and, and really helping support the lymph system. Um, turmeric milk for, in, uh, for inflammation, um, bromelain, eat some pineapples or get a bromelain supplement. Um, essential oils, bay laurel, um, helps to move the lymph and lavender. Um, and that's helpful for pain and calming the itchiness. And then definitely there are some homeopathics, um, for that as well. Yeah. And, and I like how you're bringing up cod liver oil because yeah. measles is actually a vitamin A deficiency. Yeah. That's really yeah. what it is. And, and cod liver oil has a great source of vitamin A in there. It has a great source of vitamin D, which helps regulate the immune system. Uh, we've talked zinc, vitamin C is great for the immune system. Um, different antiviral herbs that we can talk about. We can talk about Chinese skullcap. It's yeah, a and great, kids. Yes, same. yes, it's a great antiviral and it also helps the lymph move. And it mm -hmm. also produces glutathione to help protect your gut and all your barrier systems of your body, like your brain and lungs and sinuses. Um, and it's gentle. It's pregnancy safe. Uh, it is breastfeeding. It doesn't safe. sound like it would be skullcap. Like that doesn't sound like it would be. I safe. know it is. It is. I it know. Is. And, and, and two other uh, great components of it is one, it helps nerves regenerate um, and it also helps calm the mind. And so that's one of my favorite herbs that I use with people. Uh, but again, you got to have, remember the, the deficiencies that are there have to be filled. So vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, zinc, vitamin D, those are like the biggest ones that you're going to find from a vitamins and mineral standpoint of helping regulate the immune system. Reishi mushroom is phenomenal. Mushrooms yeah. are great. Safe for kids. Yeah. So safe for kids. And for, nursing, and, and for nursing moms too, right? Yeah. 100%. I, don't, I didn't have any issue with that. No. And so, and yeah. My, my wife has took it for our first pregnancy. She's taken it for this pregnancy. I have a lot of pregnant people take reishi mushroom for so many health benefits. You can just Google the list. There is countless. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's great. It is not too immune stimulating. They're immune modulating. Right. They're supporting the body. Um, they're not trying to interfere with the body. And I love that. Um, we, we talk a lot about, I talk a lot about online about the issues with medicines and things that interfere with the body. And we really need to focus on things that support the body and doing what the body was made to do. Yes. And that is the universal, universal truth that the power that made the body heals the body and yeah. the body really needs no help, just no interference. And nature provides, uh, the stuff to help with no interference. Um, so I think that is it. You got anything else yeah. to, uh, I think that's it. I, like I said, I will be providing, uh, some specific steps for people. Cause I'm all about how to like not paralyzing in fear. Um, and yeah. so I will be providing some blogs on some, some specific steps to take, um, with these illnesses. Um, obviously polio is a little bit of a different bear, but you know, at the same time, like it, it most of the time it isn't an issue. And I think that's something that I just want to communicate what we think of as a big issue. Um, we really need to look at the facts and understand in, in reality, how many people really were sick with it uh, and yeah. how many people actually went to the hospital and how many people had the uh, paralysis. Um, and then also, um, you know, just to, to consider what we are putting in our bodies. So, yep. yeah. And in our future um, podcast, we'll be talking about all types of toxins. So you, you really like the universal truth is a lot of the same stuff works for multiple things. So we'll be talking about yeah. so many ways to help other things in our environment that will also um, bring value to helping with uh, all the stuff we talked about today yeah. and in the last three episodes.
Yep. And of course, as always, this is not meant to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider. Of course, we want you to find a healthcare provider that is focused on root causes um, because that is the name of the game. But, um, you know, at least understand that this is definitely meant to be educational. Yes. And we will see you next week. Uh, Look for the poll on Instagram every Sunday when we uh, introduce two topics uh, or maybe more. And um, whatever you guys vote on is what we'll talk on and we'll uh, we'll keep it uh, nice, short, simple and effective. Hopefully. All right. We'll see you next week. Everybody. Bye.